Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we ask that during the season of Lent that you would draw us closer, that you would help us to see the things that hold us back from our relationship with you, from loving other people the way you would have us love. Help us sort through these things during the season of Lent. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of my life I've been uh, fairly involved in doing athletic things, but a number of years ago I fell off from running the way I had always been running. And, um, and then there was this moment, this day, when I went back to, it was a beautiful day, and I went out to White Rock Lake to do a run, and I got about a mile into it and was uh, winded and tired and hurting and all these other kinds of things. And I realized how out of shape I'd gotten so quickly. And then it was a process, and I reminded myself after this, I'm never going to let myself do that again. It's so much easier to stay in its shape than to lose it. But there's, that's the way our, our bodies work, right? We get out of shape and we, if we don't do things and work out. And I want to suggest to you that maybe our spiritual lives are the same way. If we don't do a certain amount of exercises or things that we do, practices, we will slowly continue to atrophy or get out of shape or get in different places. We'll get to, to places where all that fruit of the Spirit, the love and joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all that stuff starts to go down. We have a little bit less love and mercy being shown in our lives. Maybe we're a little bit more susceptible to temptation, whatever it is, but we start to get weaker in our spiritual lives if we don't engage in certain kinds of practices of, of different kinds. And what we're starting on this season of Lent, we're starting a sermon series where we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at some spiritual disciplines and practices that can help us grow and get healthier in our spiritual lives. Today, we're going to start by looking at prayer. But before we get there, I want to say just a few more things about the disciplines in general. The ultimate goal, I think a year and a half ago or something, we, did a, we talked about a series that was on um, talking about what a, what a disciple looks like. And there are lots of ways we can talk about what disciples look like. But at the end of the day, our journey, if we're going to be Christ followers, if we're going to keep Christ at the center, is to try to grow more and more each passing year to be more Christ-like, to see the family likeness more and more in how we live. And that's what spiritual practices are about. They are about ways to grow and stay connected and continue on this journey getting closer and closer to God and becoming more and more Christ-like in how we live. And they're not meant to be things that we somehow earn God's favor with. It's not about that. It's not something where we measure like we're just about trying to show we're successful in our spiritual lives. It's more about learning to be open in new and fuller ways to God's reality in our lives and to grow in that, that way and stay connected with Him. And there are, you know, historically many different kinds of practices we might think about doing. The majority of them at the core go back to what Jesus did. We look at what Jesus did during his life, and we read about in the pages of Scripture, and we imitate those. But there, there's some others that the church, I think, have put in there in different kinds of ways. And you can think about all these different kinds of practices. Um, I'll mention just some of these. You know, you, we can talk about meditation and prayer and fasting, simplicity, solitude, submission, confession, worship, and the list goes on. There are lots of different ways, things that we can do to engage in this way. This series, we're going to talk about four. We're going to do four different practices. We, we could have done other things, but today we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about study. We're going to talk about um, silence and solitude. And then we're going to talk about confession. And that's kind of where we're headed with all of this. And uh, 
Today we're going to pick up and talk about prayer. And when we start talking about prayer, one of the famous books that was written um, a little over about 30 years ago was, is a book called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And it's considered a bit of a classic in lots of different ways. But Richard Foster says this about prayer. He says, prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. Prayer is this, it's such a foundational thing about how we live and all this. And I want to encourage you to never do theology the way I did it this week, one moment. I just was curious. I was thinking on this sermon, working on it, and I was cooking dinner, and so I just asked Alexa. <laughs> I asked Alexa, what is prayer? She gave a really good answer. She said, prayer is sacred communication with God. I thought, oh, I'm going to start. She may start writing my sermons yet. <laughs> but it's a, it's a pretty good definition as we engage in that and we think about what that is. It's this idea of sacred communication with God. It's something that opens up um, this connection and this communication and this fellowship at another level with God. And I think it's super interesting when you go read about the life of Jesus' disciples and you look at it this way and you think about how these um, 12 followed Jesus for these three years. They've seen him do all these incredible things. And when they finally get to a place where they can ask him something, they're going to ask him for whatever they want. We read about in Luke how they say, well, teach us to pray. They wanted to have um, what he had. They wanted to be able to do, have that same kind of connection that he did. So they've, un they've seen him go off and pray. They ask him, how do, how, do we, how do you teach us to pray? Teach us how to do that. And then, of course, he gives us the Lord's Prayer as a, as a model for that. There are all kinds of different ways that, that Jesus modeled it. Not only did he teach them, but it's interesting to go back and just look at and think for a moment about how Jesus modeled this for them. And there are lots and lots of different passages where Jesus does this. Let me read just a few from Luke 3. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. We hear how he was praying at that moment. Or Matthew 14, after Jesus had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Or Mark 6, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. Or Luke 6, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Mark 1, in the early morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And one more, Luke 5, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. We, get it, we see him do it again and again where he, he's valuing that. He goes off and does this. And it's usually, oftentimes, we see that he's going off to be alone someplace, to have these, this prayer time connecting with his father and that's the way prayer often is and we do corporate prayer it's important it's a really important piece of what we do but this going away to an, a place alone is a powerful way to prayer and certainly pray and that's certainly what Jesus does he models that as we see him go off and pray this way again and again and I think when we do it we find that it's by its nature it's very personal and it can it can be very intimate as we lay our hearts before God as we talk about whatever's going on with us and put it out there. And I think it, it's kind of a cool thing we connect that way. Sometimes it can be, I think, a little intimidating. People are like, but the thing about it is not only does God love you, but he already knows everything you're going to tell him anyway. He already knows everything you've ever done and still embraces you and welcomes you and loves you. But there's something powerful about 
having that conversation and talking to him in that way. I think part of the secret for us in learning to pray is to learn to just put it all out there, the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, I read recently an excerpt from a book that was written by uh, one, of the, one of the people who contributes every single week at the Wall, to the Wall Street Journal, wrote a book on faith and told a lot of different faith stories. And this is part of what she said about um, the topic of prayer. She said, a priest to whom I'd gone once for guidance told me that prayer is just conversation with your Father in heaven. And like any good conversation with an intimate, it should be honest, trusting, uncensored, Tell him anything, what kind of day you had, a triumph, a temptation, something that's nagging at you. Ask for his blessing for an endeavor. Give thanks. Share frustration. The bottom line is what she's saying is keep it real. And, you know, for us as Episcopalians, if we're not careful, this can be very remote to us. I'll never forget many years ago uh, being someplace, and I forget what was going on, we all decided it would be good to pray and there were, there were a bunch of us in the staff office, and I said, well, we ought to pray about this. And one of the people said, well, what page? <laughs> if we're going to grow, we want to learn to just be, be able to talk and have that kind of communication with God. I mean, there, there are benefits of both, right? The times when you aren't able to pray, you just cannot find any words, being able to turn to that page is awesome. But also, if we're going to have this lively, dynamic relationship with God, we ought to be able to pour ourselves out in that way. I thought I would pivot for the last part of the, the sermon this morning and maybe just give some ideas and some thoughts about how we might structure some prayer during Lent or what we might do in our, in our lives that way. I don't know what your practice is for prayer, but one idea might be to, during the season of Lent, say, I'm going to pray five times a day. They can be short. I'll say more in a second. But just when you wake up for three meals and before you go to bed, as you're getting into bed, just those five times. And you know, I recently read, in the last year I read this book, Atomic Habits. Have y'all read that? It's, 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 it's a good book. But part of what he says about learning new habits is don't take on these huge things. You can just, if you're trying to get to the gym, he says just putting on your shoes can be, just get a week of just putting on your shoes. So I'm thinking when it comes, if you're not already engaged in a, in a regular prayer life, just make it, I'm going to pray for 20 seconds at each one of these prayers. Just get, the, get, a, get something going. Instead of trying to do that, you know, I'm intimidated when you go back and you read some of the some of the people that have influenced Christianity so much. I think about how Martin Luther prayed for three hours a day. I think about John Wesley who prayed for two hours a day. We're talking about just five little short prayers to, get, to get, kind of get it going. And what motivates me sometimes is I think about um, this monastery that I go to once a year, at least before COVID. They pray seven times a day, and the first one's at four in the morning. So usually when I'm in bed trying to think, am I going to be able to get up and do this or this? I think they've already been in the chapel twice already, and it motivates me to get up. But if we're going to think about how we might structure that then, we're going to do these prayers. You know, we've talked about this before, but a really good way to do this is to just think about the word acts and um, go through those letters real fast. You know, the, the A is for adoration. Just give God praise. And that could be as simple as just saying, God, you're great. So a lot of these worship songs that we do help us with that. Repeat some of those words um, as a form of doing that. And confession um, is the C of just acknowledging our brokenness and the things we get wrong before God, maybe at the end of the day before you go to bed. And of course, thanksgiving, gratitude. 
that is such a powerful frame of, re- frame of reference change for us. If we can be a people of gratitude, we've talked about this. We did a whole series on this a couple years ago, but it'll change you. If you can learn to be, a, um, just to have part of your prayer to be giving thanks to God for different things, it will change you. You know, there's the, you, we've talked about this before, but you may have seen the um, TED talk that's out there by brother David Stendhal Rast, this monk. But part of what he says, I'll, I'm going to take his whole TED talk down to one sentence. He says that we're grateful not because we're happy. We're happy because we're grateful. So if you can learn to be grateful, you'll be happy. That's more or less what he says. And he runs this, this gratitude institute and all these kinds of things like that. The more we can do that, the more powerful it is. I know somebody that was, um, I'm at that age where a lot of my friends have parents that are at the later part of life. And I was talking to one who, whose um, dad has cancer. And we were talking about how, how he deals with it because his dad has been diagnosed as being terminal with this. And uh, he said, well, every time I go to bed at night or I'm, I'm seeing him or thinking about him, I just stop and think of all the things I'm grateful for with my dad and how it changes his, how he sees it. Instead of focusing on what he's losing or what's happening that way, he focuses on all the things that he's grateful for. And if we live life that way, if we become a people of gratitude, it'll change how we frame all of our lives and it will make us so much more happy and um, pleased with how life goes. And the, so I've got, see, I've got A, C, T. The final thing is the S is supplication. That's the one we all really want to do where we come to God with all our list of things we want. But of course, God wants that. When he taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to pray for, their da- for daily bread, what's going on in life, what they need. And so we bring all those things to him. Um, they're important to, to give all, all these things before God, but certainly our needs as well. Sometimes I'll get people who ask, well, why in the world do we need to do that? Because God already knows. He's a good God. He gives good gifts. He already knows what we need. What's the point? Well, I think part of the point is it changes us, and God wants us to cooperate in what he's doing. I uh, saw a video the other day with Father Mike Schmitz, this guy that's gotten really famous with our Catholic brothers and sisters. But he he gave this analogy on this point. He said that... um, he said that when he was a child, his dad went to build a new shed in their backyard. And he said, I know my dad could have built it quicker. He could have built it better if he'd just gone and done it. But he wanted all the kids involved. So he made it a family project where everybody went out. And he said, you know, it built, it built unity around this thing. It brought everybody into this cooperation with it. And it sort of stood as, as something that brought the team together and did all this. And it lasted this way. And I think there's something about prayer that's that way. God knows what you need already. He does. But there's something about asking him and bringing our needs and our brokenness and whatever it is to him and praying that brings us closer to him. Part of the season of Lent, the thing that Mary read a minute ago, the the invitation to a holy Lent, asks us to engage it through prayer. I hope that during the season of Lent that we'll all take this as a time to renew our prayer lives And wherever you are coming in today with your prayer life, take it a little further, a little deeper. Pray in some way you haven't prayed before. Pray a little longer. Pray with Scripture. God will bless it, and and you'll become stronger and healthier during this season. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you call us on this journey. Help us to communicate with you. 
to engage in sacred communication. Help us to not only speak, but be open to hear your voice. And through it all, Lord, help us to be stronger in you, that we might show your love, your mercy, and your grace in new ways in the world. And we pray this in your name. Amen.